I haven't really decided yet on what, what would be the... You have to let me finish, Aaron. On what would be... On what? <laughs> on... On what? What day would you repeat in your life and why? Oh, God. <laughs> I had uh, a better setup than that and you just made me spit it out. Shit. Uh, the, movie, the movies made me think that maybe it's better... If you pick a really bad day, because maybe you could improve on the really bad day. But then, Instead of doing the good day, because then you get tired of the good. Yeah, and then maybe, though, maybe there are fixed things that are always bad no matter what. And then maybe it would be better to have the pleasant day. I don't know. Like, I would I would choose a day, like, where maybe not much happened, and then I could make other things happen. Like, if it was just kind of a lazy day, like, okay, well, oh, yeah, I was lazy this day. Okay, well, I'm going to go out and actually, like, do stuff this day. Or, like, I'm going to find something that's going on around town. Or I'm going to go have a beer or something like that. Like, like maybe there are days that we should never repeat. Um, the day of my birth. I don't need to repeat that infinitely. I mean, if you really want to, you could. <laughs> I mean... It's, it'd be strange, you know, to li- relive your birth over and over and over again. I don't know, Michael, would you want to relive, relive my birth over and over again? <laughs> no, I ain't looking for that. <laughs> I was thinking that a good day to repeat would be, like, a day maybe that you were in a city that you're not familiar with, and then you could do all kinds of things in that city that you've never done. You mean, like, Bill Murray in the movie? Yeah. Yes. But, and, I, okay, but, but in a city that's but, more interesting, like New York. <laughs> but <laughs> New York, of- the, the twist... 9-11. Oh, no! That's a terrible twist. Well, then they shouldn't have done it with Robert Pattinson and Remember Me. He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to the, the idea. idea. And with that tactless uh, interlude or uh, uh, segue... I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm saying when you said a day in New York City, that was the only thing that came to mind. We all remember that day. We all- we all relive it. Every Never forget. Day. You are a terrible person. You should I feel think, bad. I think I'm more morbid than anything today. That's just morbidly obese. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get the plugs out of the way. All right. You can follow us on Married to the Idea on Facebook, Married Number Two the Idea on Twitter, Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. And if you forget any of those links, just find our website, Married to the Idea or Google it. Find us. It's rather easy. We're the only ones doing it. Uh, little uh, thing. We actually, our first initial title for this podcast was Take Two, and then we realized everyone and their mother had a podcast named Take Two, and we couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, like there was one. It was like we, I was like, I was gonna say like we're Take Two because we're two people, uh, and and I was like, oh, I was so close. And then I looked at it, and there was like one person that had it just close enough, and but they hadn't done anything since 2011. I was like, maybe we could seal it, but I didn't want to be that person. So we aren't we, gonna do that. We made up our own fun name, and I think. I think it's fun. Well, and we are also now part of the Knoxville Podcasters group. Uh, there is a, um, a, a community of podcasting uh, that we are now a part of. I think it's knoxvillepodcasters.network or .info or something mm-hmm. like that. And you can find the link on our Facebook page yeah. earlier this week. We are joined today by returning guests, Michael and Allie of the Apothecary B. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, Michael and Allie have uh, been getting me so much into my bim bam that Aaron now wonders why I've become so much more quippy in day-to-day life and wonders why I can't bring that quippiness to our actual podcast, and that's because I make terrible 9-11 hey, jokes. Hey, 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 hey. Figginsworth, today's your day. You just, you go ahead. <laughs> you just, it's your day. <laughs> it's your day. But we're not here to talk about other people's podcasts. No, no. We're oh, uh, uh, 
all the Bim Bam brothers, uh, if you'd like to come on the podcast, <laughs> just let us know. Any McElroys? <laughs> any we'll McElroys? Any yeah, there's a lot yeah. of McElroys doing stuff. That would be a huge people. We already have four in a podcast, and that already seems like a pretty crazy train ride right now. <laughs> we are reviewing a uh, As you movie, can tell by the title card. A movie that only half of us had seen previously. Some of us who had seen previously had never even seen the first scene, so it was a good retrospect for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen the first scene, but I've seen it like 20 or 30 times. It's been a lot. It's not like been one time. Uh, but since it is Tis the Season, and I wanted to watch a romantic comedy that was off the beaten path, uh, we did It Happened One Night last week for our first February episode. This week we are doing Groundhog Day. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting kind of transition. Go from the first romantic comedy ever to a comedy that I never truly considered romantic until we watched it in this aspect. Yeah, I I actually don't know why I didn't think that we should watch it sooner because Bill Murray. And you kind of have a thing for him. Oh, I love Bill Murray. I love that. <laughs> me and a Allie, lot of people actually. But here's the thing: me and Ali were commenting about this last night that. He's not attractive. Not in the least, Not honestly. even a little bit. And he manages so much on pure charisma, charisma and delivery of and, lines. And confidence. I mean, he just exudes confidence. He is Bill Mother and Murray, and that's what he is, and he don't give a crap. No, he don't. And women, apparently, really? are supposed to be into that. I kind of get it, but looking at the face, just... No, man, just no. He cracks one whip, or cracks one quip, and you're like, you can have me now. <laughs> I'm opposite. I adore Annie McDowell. I think she's a precious little treasure. I have another movie on my list of things that we need to watch that's it's so old, and it's it's actually, like, one of, like, consistently people were like, this is a terrible movie, and I liked it. I don't know why I liked it. To the point where, like, everyone else hated it. But we'll have to watch it because Andy McDowell is in it. Was it Porky's? No. Was it Porky's 2? No. Was it Porky's uh, 3.5? No. I was just waiting for you to keep going. Porky's in space? No. I don't even know Porky's if those last Porky's Manhattan? Porky's, Porky's back to the hood? Porky's in Vegas. Porky's versus Predator? Not watch that one. Porky's 22 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, they're... Uh, no, it's 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 actually a movie called Hudson Hawk, and it has Bruce Willis in it. I uh, do remember I've heard that. of that one. Yeah, because I had a huge crush on Bruce Willis when I was like oh, twelve. It was really, really not an okay sort of crush. It was Armageddon. It brought it was brought on by Armageddon. Oh so. my god! You okay. don't want to miss small, a thing. Small. I basically told. I was like, I watched the movie, and I said. I cried, and my parents were really upset, and they were like, why are you crying? And I said, because why couldn't Ben Affleck die? Yes! <laughs> why did Bruce Willis have to die? I wanted Ben Affleck to die. <laughs> why, why wasn't was Bruce Willis? It should have been Ben Affleck. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that just advice for life? Oh. Pretty much, you know. Uh, or even better, uh, not even Ben Affleck, but Casey Affleck. Just in the last scene, oh, it's like, please. my brother is actually on space! No! And he gets blown up, so. Uh, quick interlude. We, uh, we the four of us, uh, for Christmas, I was given uh, Saints Row 4, because I've never played any of the Saint Rose games, and this is timely, uh, but I was given... <laughs> Are you I was, sure? I was given the game, and... Uh, in apparently, like at the end of the first scene, you're literally climbing a nuclear missile into space, trying to destroy it 
before it lands in uh, uh, back on Earth. And I want to—I uh, don't want to miss a thing. Don't want to miss a thing. My, My arrow is playing as you do that. And it, it was epic. It was so perfect. Uh, it's like, and of course, then you know, being the Van Bam fans that we—I guess we all now are—we uh, we did our own monster creator. That was awesome. So. But that's totally off topic for those who weren't in this exact room with these exact people. If you don't know the premise of Groundhog Day, uh, I... Who doesn't at this point? uh, The premise of Groundhog Day is a weatherman goes to uh, Puxatawney, Philadelphia, to report on the groundhog. And for some reason, he begins repeating that day over and over for, as some people have estimated... 7,000 years? No, no, no. It was like a thousand days. It was like, th- like one, the higher estimate there's, was a thousand. There's, there's a lot of estimates online from different people who have looked and calculated different stuff because there's a lot of things you're not sure about. Like, how long does it take someone to master the piano? Mm-hmm. How many days? And stuff like that. So, you know, there, there were estimates from like seven years to like 30 years and maybe even more. I thought the consensus was that it was about 35 years. God. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. 35 years that would the definitely same make sense for a lot of the things that he did. Over and over. That's, that's why I thought it was so nice that they keep it vague. There are scenes that last five seconds that are just one day. Exactly. And you mm-hmm. have the impression that other days are passing. But uh, the idea is that Bill Murray stuck in this loop has an effect on some things. He can't change the outcome um, but he gets increasingly more and more desperate. He learns stuff about the people in the town to then uh, trick them into sleeping with them, or he punches people in the face. He gets so depressed, he starts walking onto roads to commit suicide, and it doesn't matter, he wakes up the next day. We came across a very interesting idea on that. Is there an afterlife in Groundhog Day? Yeah, like, uh, the four of us were talking about, like, he dies a couple of times, and you think, oh, it must reset right when he dies, because a couple of times he dies, and it pops right back into the next morning, but there's one where he jumps off the top of a building, commits suicide, and it shows Andy McDowell and the cameraman actually viewing the body to... You know, to say that it was actually him. Um, Which is to suggest that he is dead for eight hours or more in the course of one day before waking up at 6 a.m. again. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he never discusses what being dead is like. You know, like, because at one point he's like, he says that the Andy McDowell character, he's like, um, you know, I am a god. I am not the god, but I am a god, or at least I'm immortal. And he's talking about, like, I've been shot, I've been stabbed, I've been poisoned, I've been run over, I've you know, died so many times, I've lost count. And he's like, but I keep reliving this damn day over. And he, like, with scary accuracy that he says, like, when things happen or what people are going to say before they even walk up, so... Um, I do like that line. Maybe God isn't God, maybe God's just been trapped in the same day for all eternity multiple times over and just knows everything that's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, that is dark and morbid. Yeah. There, can... was, there was a lot of uh, philosophy that they were trying to get across in that, where, like, you, there's different things that you can kind of see through each day that he lives. And, yeah, like, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, Twilight Zone, like, is it heaven or hell to relive the same day over and over again, where mm-hmm. you have no consequences, essentially, for your actions, you can do whatever you want, but at the same time, you're trapped in the monotony of this same thing every day. Yeah, you're right. The, the philosophy of which is better, you know, and I think that is the whole 
if I can say moral of the film, is that he learns that you make of it what you will. It could be hell. Even doing everything that you want, it's still the same day over and over again. But if by the end you learn to appreciate, you learn to grow, you learn that you know there are things you can't control, there are things you can control. And I kind of, the way they frame it at the end is in such a way that it makes me feel like they don't show any of the prog, like any of the multiple times every day that he tried to get these things right. It just shows one interrupted, uninterrupted day where he saves a boy from falling out of a tree, where he helps these old ladies change their car tires, where he goes and he uh, Heimlich's a man who is choking in a restaurant. He's played by his real life brother, yeah. Brian Doyle Murray. And with every other scene, you've seen him previous days learning uh, when he tries to date Annie McDowell for the first time and every day he gets a little bit farther and farther in the date because he gets better and better at learning what she really wants to hear uh, but it never works out and that's when he gets in his first depression but by the end of it they don't show all the different times that he tried and failed to make these things happen it just shows nice one uninterrupted 12 hour stretch of all the nice things he does and you realize that was all the work that he put in to go around town and see who could he help who needed him most? Like at one point, like she's uh, at the end of this, like this kind of stretch. Um, it shows that he's talking to her and like there, he's like trying to get her to sleep with him. And uh, she's like, no, I don't think so. And then like, she starts getting mad at him and, he, and she's like, and I hate fudge. She's like, okay, white chocolate and fudge. And he's like making a mental note to himself. And she's like, are you keeping tabs on me or something? Did you call my friends and ask him what I like? And it's like, you have the thing. It's like, yeah, he probably did that a lot. You know, probably throughout the whole date, too. He's like notching off little things. Like, she doesn't like white chocolate or fudge, but maybe she likes pralines or something like that. You know, it's you know, like it just. I think try. that whole, the whole reason she doesn't sleep with him sort of scene it sets up the the fact that her character is in no way superficial at all. I mean, she's an incredibly deep person to be able to resist, we'll say, mm-hmm. the advances of this godlike person who happens to know all of the things that she loves, all the things that she finds attractive in a man, yet she still ends up rejecting him at the end of the night because he hasn't learned his lesson. All he's doing is field research, He's not really being kind. He's not really, you know, the type of guy that she wants. He's just pretending. And it's only when he actually fully commits to being kind and doing things for people, like Liz was saying, uh, that she ends up with him. Michael, uh, Aaron, have you guys admit free space? This is a safe space. Have you ever done field research on a girl to do things that she would like more. Is, is there any other way to date? Is there any other way to yeah, date? I mean, I that think, was telling. I Aaron. think you want to go in with as much knowledge as you can. Like you don't. It's better. It, it's helpful to have any knowledge that you can that can help you. It's not. You know, at the end of the day, it's still the woman's choice, and that's what Ali was talking about. Was proved by Andy McDowell's. Like even though he was seen, was seemingly perfect in every way because he had been you know, improving every day, essentially, his performance, is that at the end of the day, there's no level of performance that can make it happen. It's just that if you are better, it can open the door mm-hmm. and get you in. Yeah, and that, and that was the whole thing was, uh, like, it showed, uh, she said, uh, oh, I studied French poetry in college, and he makes a joke, like, oh, that's that sounds like a terrible waste of time for everyone else but you you know like trying to recover and then it shows the exact same the setup 
and he does it again and he uh, recites a piece of poetry yeah in french and it's like okay how long did it take him to memorize that mm-hmm. you know like how many days did he muck up the middle of a pronunciation and be like damn it all right well, go well back. the day's over it's yeah. over bye i'm just, going just back to leave me now <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting too, like the, how they they set it up. Like every time that he got himself into a situation, the situation was the same. Every time he, um, you know, talked to her at that restaurant or at a restaurant, the the conversation was always the same. But in like any kind of instance, if you think that a conversation is going to go one way, one word or one even um, not pronunciation, but uh, What's it when you put uh, emphasis, like, uh, there's maybe, if you put emphasis. Yeah, your enunciation. Enunciation, yeah, thank you. Uh, Enunciation, if you, like, if you say, like, oh, French poetry or, oh, French poetry, you know, like, that's going to change everything. It's going to go much deeper than that, like, like, saying the same things. It's not a dating sim, as they're kind of playing it out to be, like, where you have to say the same things every time, and it's going to have either one of two outcomes basically yeah it becomes a pattern game it becomes a boss to beat you learn their moves you learn their tricks and it's really it shows a lot about the intention there's a scene where they're building a snowman together and bill murray knows these kids are going to come and throw snowballs at them and the first time it happens it's spontaneous and he's like i'll protect you my lady quick hide and they all throw the second time you see it you just hear the desperation in his voice ah little kids tight so many kids if i wish can i adopt you kids ah come here and she's just like what is going on super creepy (laughs) and that was that was the point too where like the first time it happened they kissed or almost kissed i think yeah they they came really close the second time he went in for the kiss and she was like We did notice there were some heavy rapey vibes. The first time he gets the entire date right and they're both in his room and he's like leaning in. She's like, no, I I don't want to rush this. He physically backs her into a corner. Yeah. It's somewhat painful to watch. I have to admit, Um, having never seen the movie before, uh, I wasn't. I can't say that I wasn't expecting it based on just the era that the movie is from. I mean, yeah. it's sort of like the oh, it came from a different 80s. time. It, yeah, like late eighties. I'm assuming is around when it when it came out. Uh, maybe early nineties, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely women were not at a place of empowerment at that point. So women in film were usually. Yeah, Typically, I wish the Andy McDowell type character where they're kind and they have all these good traits. Uh, no nonsense too. I mean, yeah, she shoves them exactly. Off. But she 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 is true to herself. But uh, it's definitely not like a like a Ripley from Alien character where you know she would punch him in the face mm-hmm. if things got rapey. At the same time, I feel like it's better the way she's treated than in, uh, like, something like Blade Runner or any of the new James Bond films where um, Decker or Bond are portrayed as these alpha men that women want. Even when they say they don't, they really do. And they do have those scenes where they get backed into corners and it's supposed to be this really sexy power play of this man showing dominance over the woman until they finally give in. But for half the audience, it's like, no, this, this makes me feel uncomfortable. This, you know, it's portraying this idea that if you are physically dominating 
women will respond positively to that. Exactly. It's just the re- repetition of a stereotype, I think, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of sad, lonely men hold the same stereotype in that the whole you know, Jock gets the girl because mm-hmm. he does the badass thing and, and intimidates the girl. But I mean, yeah, nothing says love like a woman saying, I, I give up, you know, <laughs> I give in. You're positively primeval. <laughs> I think it's definitely a confusion where like the thing that women are attracted to is confidence, but they're not attracted to blind confidence, which is kind of what that is. I think where where the man thinks that he can just dock into a corner it. like that. He's owed it because he worked he did really because hard. Because he followed the script that he, he learned the yeah. over he several the days work. in a row. And he is Six owed this. <laughs> he is owed getting slept with. And mm-hmm. that's just, in, in all senses, a terrible way to go about doing things. It's not in any way how you get what you want. I was nice to you, so therefore I am owed sex. Well, <laughs> hashtag nice guy. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like they focus a lot on how uh, Bill Murray's character changes for Andy McDonald's character and for himself. We don't really see any real growth of character until um, he tells her one day, I am a god, I can predict all this, and he tells her how, how all the people in the town, what their names are, who they are, uh, what's going to happen, this and that. And she's like, you know, you know, for science, maybe I should just, you know, stay with you for the rest of the day, see what happens. And so they're playing, uh, you know, tossing cards into a hat, and they're reading books, and at the end of the night, he looks at her, and she's asleep, and it's 3 a.m., and, you know, he says, I don't deserve you but I am going to try to be the man that could deserve you. That's definitely the turning point yeah. in his mm-hmm. character arc, for sure. After that, he, uh, and he, 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 learns, he learned things about her, but he then uses them as more than just a script. He, she know, he knows that she likes someone who's passionate in an instrument, so he learns how to play the piano. He doesn't fake a piano. He literally, who knows how many years, spends learning right. how to play the piano. Um, yeah. Doing all these nice things for people that you can tell in the final scene when they start coming up to him again and again and again. Um, he wasn't planning on that. It wasn't like, oh, good, you can have to show her what a good person I right. am. Right, here, come to my piano recital specifically to see how good I am at piano. <laughs> and I've it's invited all these people who I've helped throughout the day. It's just, it's kind of like a happenstance, you know? Yeah. She, hap- she, she comes upon him playing the piano, enjoying himself... Mm-hmm. Not doing it for her, yeah. doing it for himself, doing it for the people of the town, um, all the people that he's gotten to know over these years. And uh, it's the first morning that he wakes up before the festival is really underway, exactly. brings them coffee and a pastry and talks to Larry like a human being, his cameraman, and asks yeah, about his like, life. Larry, he's like, we never talk. Do you have kids? And he's, and he's like, thanks. Thanks a lot, Phil. This, this is really like, nice. Yeah, it's like, here, you look like a pastry man. I do like raspberry. And it's yeah. just like... It's really like, genuine. Yeah. And that's, that's the nice part about it. It shows the character. Like, we always hear that Anne McDowell is a sweet character. We don't get to see much of that because it's the same day over and over for her. And she's you just get the sense that she is a nice, sweet, likable person. Her first scene is her all in blue against a blue back blue screen uh, dancing around the weather. Just her hands floating in a sea right, of blue. Right, the producer. Of yeah, the, yeah, just the producer. <laughs> that's the all, that's that. all you get. Like, okay, but you get the sense that Bill Murray knows what she's like. And he and he knows that in order to be, he has to be a better person overall entirely. Yeah, not, not like press the right buttons to get to the end point. Is literally change who he is to be able to uh, deserve her to be right for her. Now I have to I have to say, what does that say about his original character 
if it took him, say, 35 years to get to this point. Oof. You think that maybe if some people, some assholes in the world, had 35 more years to work at it, that they might become good people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is he's literally being tortured. He, he, there's nothing he there's can do. There's nothing else no. he can do to get out of this scenario other than perhaps try to improve. There's See, no that was part of a thought I had, too, was that, like, he looked at it as, you know, I'm stuck living this same day, but maybe these people's lives go on. Maybe I can improve as many lives as I can, and their lives will go on improved for what I did in this day. Like the kid not bringing his leg, falling out of right. the tree, or uh, the the mayor guy, whoever he is, not choking. I the do guy, appreciate... The guy that died that day, no matter what, he, you know, he still gives him That was a huge yeah. impetus. You know, he, like, like, looks he, at it. And treats him like a human being on his last day, essentially, even if it is going to be his last day, yeah, no matter treats, what. Yeah, he's like, this is going to... He's going to die. I will treat him as good as I can, but knowing that, is there anyone else who doesn't have to today? Right. And and that's the thing that kind of, you know, makes me sad and existential about my own life is uh, just the people that you meet on the street, just the people that you might come across in your daily life. Uh, The homeless guy, like Michael was saying, uh, for many, many days or who knows, possibly years, Bill Murray ignored this guy. Yeah, he like he held sh- out his hand on the street every single day and either gave him change or blew him off or just went right past him. Yeah. Or you How many that money days or, something or years like that. did it take for him to realize that that was that man's last day on earth? Last day alive. And if we thought of that maybe when we were meeting other people, how would that impact the way that we act towards others? Sorry, didn't mean to get that deep. That's, that's beautiful, Allie. Let's bring it down a little bit. Well, that's well. I think that's why Aaron was so shocked when I said, "Can we watch Groundhog Day for a Valentine's Day movie?" <laughs> yeah, like this. Um, I mean, we're gonna release this the the week before Valentine's Day, but it still is like we're trying to do kind of a month of love type thing. And great. And my first initial thing was like, this is an interesting concept for a movie where a guy's literally stuck in a day, and it's Bill Murray basically stuck in this day, you know, for however many years. And and then and then it ends with him kind of in a romantic. But I what with watching it again, not only having been probably good five, ten, fifteen years since I've seen it, um, but also being more adult, I see some of the things that like, oh, I understand why he did it this way, or why I understand why he did this, or you know, I understand a little bit more than when I was a kid. But now I definitely see that it is it does have a lot of romantic elements because especially like with that one day where he's like, I am a God. He actually, I think he kind of realizes that he's truly in love with her on that day. He actually is like, I don't deserve you right now. Maybe I can work on improving that. Right. And it's, and it's like, you start seeing him do that instead. And every day that he's stuck in, he's just like, let me try to, let me try, let me try more. And, and I think that's why eventually he's able to get out. Um, it's because he finally proved that, yes, he can make her fall in love with him, too, but he's not doing it for the wrong reasons. And it also proves that he has really changed. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, the final scene, <laughs> the final day, he wakes up and Annie McDowell is still there. And that means that he broke out of the day and he's in bed lay- looking at her and he pinches her <laughs> to make sure that she's not asleep. And they look at each other and... I could see the old character running to the window, you know, without saying anything to her. Like, I'm free, run out the door alone. I did it. It's over. The nightmare is done. Get me out of here. Exactly. But he looks at her 
And he's like, you're still here. You asked me to stay, so I stayed. And he goes to the window, hold on one second, goes to the window, comes back, gets back in bed with her and says, what can I do for you today? Oh, that, that, ah, ah, that was, that's, that's, that's the line that makes this uh, a romantic movie. It's so beautiful. I I felt like that helped show the, um, genuine, genuity of the the character of how he was at the end I, again having i saw i when i was a kid i watched this movie many many times um but i never got that he a truly fell in love with her i thought like he kind of did it like that he was doing the things right and, and then you know again watching it now made me realize he wasn't doing it for her he was just doing it and um and yeah that line that's a great line so what can i do for you today yeah this is it it's Today is tomorrow. It's like just all these wonderful things about that. Um, let's talk cameos. Uh, like you said, the uh, oh. mayor of Puxatawney is uh, Brian Doyle Murphy, Murray, which Murray. has been uh, to say Murphy. I think. Yeah, I think uh, you did. <laughs> Brian Doyle Murray, who of course is Bill Murray's more uh, is his brother, who's done plenty of things himself. Uh, Larry the ca- uh, not cable guy. Larry the cameraman. <laughs> that would be a very different movie. <laughs> Get her done, Phil! Get her done! No, uh, the cameraman, Larry... uh, Chris Elliott. Yes, he was with Bill Murray in Osmosis Jones. That's where Mm -hmm. I knew him from. He's uh, he's also in Scary Movie 2. Right, Scary Movie 2. That's where I know him from. Apparently he's in Something About Mary, too. classic. Oh, indeed. He is one of uh, her One of the obsessed exes, exes, yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. obsessed with her. Uh, I think our favorite one, our favorite favorite one, they're in, Ugh. they're at the dance, they're at the the, the party for Puxatawney Phil, and uh, this young couple who we have been told earlier in one of the days where he's revealing everything is they are getting married today, but she's a little nervous and unsure about everything, and it turns out that that was one thing we didn't see was that he went to talk to her and help them through it because they come up to him at the dance say thank you so much you helped us and. He gets some tickets to WrestleMania for their honeymoon, which was just adorable. But the two show up on screen. Aaron all of a sudden grabs my hand, stiffens next to me, pulls out his phone. I'm like, oh, it's IMDb time. Who was that young man? That young man in his first feature length role was a young Michael Shannon. Unbelievable. Like, uh, as soon as Aaron tensed up, I knew, I saw him as well, and all I could do was start shouting, Shape of Water, Shape of Water, Shape of Water. Because I couldn't come up with a name, but I was like, that is him. That is him for sure. Oh my gosh. It was, and it's, I've seen this movie however many times, and it, I never realized that. Of course, I didn't really know who Michael Shannon was until probably uh, uh, Man of Steel with uh, him playing Gerald It Gerald's is an Rod. age of Michael Shannon right now. We've got Superman, we got Ship of Water, he's in another movie coming up where he plays a crazy obsessed guy, because that's what Michael Shannon does now, I guess. <laughs> he does it real well. <laughs> he does it good. <laughs> uh, the uh, young lady who played the... Um, the Blushing Bride yes. uh, is a actress by the name of Hayden Walsh. Hayden Walsh. Hyden How would Walsh. we know her? You would know her from her uh, role. She's actually, she's becoming a voice actress now. Is that what? Yes. Uh, oh, just a little show called Teen Titans where she played Starfire. Oh my god! 
Really? Oh, and then another little small show that you guys, I don't think you guys ever heard of. Uh, Adventure Time playing Princess Bubblegum. Ah! <laughs> yeah, literally just figured that out. That is so cool. So... Uh, yeah. uh, there are, there are a lot of those kind of like, oh, I kind of recognize that guy, like the, 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 guy, the first person he sees yeah. in the day is the, the only other credit that we recognized him from, I think, was he was the Santa in Home Alone that Kevin McAllister walks up to. Yeah, that's cut smoking says, a cigarette. Yeah, hold out your little paw there and he gives, you know, gives him a Tic Tac or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I had only ever seen him in that movie. I couldn't tell you his name, but I saw the side of his head and I was like, that's. That looks like Santa Claus from Home Alone. <laughs> and it was. I just uh, have this weird, uncanny ability to, like, recognize people from random things. Don't welcome, know their names. Welcome to my life. That's why we're twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Ken Hudson Campbell, who was also Max Leonard in Armageddon. Mm. Some weird connections <laughs> going so on. Yeah, so guys, weird. we start again. Guys, are we reliving the whole podcast again? <laughs> I got you, baby. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I got you, baby. Uh, my favorite part of this entire movie has got to be the Ned Ryerson parts. <laughs> That's my least favorite part, I, to be honest. I, Ali, I think your exact words were, "Can we get this guy an award for most punchable face?" Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's my exact words. Um, and what's worse is that he has been in another Bill Murray movie, and he's even more punchable in that movie. How is that possible? And he's what movie? in Garfield, and he's like ah! the guy. He's like the bad guy in Garfield. <laughs> you should have yeah. stopped if he's in Garfield. Oh, I hate yeah, lasagna. You think, you think that it would like it would just that would be enough? But no, he's the bad guy in that. Uh, no, the reason is my favorite part is because of just the transgression of like him going from not knowing who this guy is, and which I I even mentioned it to Michael. I'm like, does this guy actually know who this does know who Bill Cur- uh, Bill Murray's character is? And the second day when he says the name, oh Ned Ryerson, yeah. Yeah, and he like he actually like isn't surprised. So either he's that good at that lie, or he's more likely he does actually know him. that Bill Murray just did not remember this guy from his childhood. Because he tries to sell him insurance, it's like it feels like a real like sales plot. He does say boy. that uh, he tried to date his sister. A that's a big times in college, and I feel like that would big thing to lie about. That's a big tell, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, Bill Murray flips it around later and does a similar thing to. One of the women in the town. Yep. Oh, that and is says true. he went to high school with her and says that. Uh, he, I asked you out to prom. Yes, I asked yeah, you out to prom. And she's like, which, Bill Connors. Right. Power of suggestion. But, but at the same time, yeah, he could have just gotten the idea essentially from. Either which way, and I do love buying insurance from him. That, that's no, it's it sweet though. Like. He buys all of his insurance from him, and he sees them, sees him and Annie McDowell at the dance, and he's like, "Where are we all going?" You know, in that punchable way and Andy McDowell says let's not spoil it exactly. and they all part laughing <laughs> he's like oh she got me <laughs> Bing. but the, uh, the best part about the whole Ned Ryerson which is the is what and my dad and I still do it to oh other. yes yes like we'll, uh, we'll just like we'll ha- maybe haven't seen each other for a while and we'll just go up and hug he's like Mm, I don't know where you're going, but you, can you call in? <laughs> it's like, at one point, like, he gets Ned with it, and it's just, it's, it's so awkward. He's, he's like, gives him a big old hug, like, I don't know where you're going, but 
Can you call in sick? Even Ned's like, I nope. I, oh, I gotta go. But it's been nice to see you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's there's so many like great little moments in this movie, and that's kind of what this movie is. Is it's just it's a movie of moments. I wanted to go around and see uh, what movie this movie reminded you of most, because uh, I think I during this conversation thought of one that I hadn't even thought of before, which uh, blows my mind the more I think about it. Um, I would compare this or want to compare this to 50 First Dates. That's what I was going to say. Ah! <laughs> I was thinking that last night, honestly. It's a reverse 50 First Dates. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's a, he's choosing to relive this day. 50 First Dates is reverse Groundhog Day because it came first. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but in that one, Adam Sandler is choosing to relive this day with this girl who doesn't know she's within the first day over and over again. I, I, everyone like kind of bashes on Adam Sandler movies. Most they, likable they, they're others. right. They're right mostly. But Fifty First Dates is oddly, overtly it's charming. Sweet. It's likable. Yeah, Enjoyable. very likable. Like, I mean, I, 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 people bash on Adam Sandler all the time, but I can think of multiple. I mean, Wedding Singer, there are tons where he's just yeah. a charming dude. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. He's a water I think... boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a very a nice, sweet person in that movie. He is. He is. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's charming to see it from this, from the other angle because you can see how it's almost a sacrifice for, for both parties, regardless of. Yeah. How time is flowing, and yeah. and maybe time does flow differently for different people in 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 a more of like a conceptual way. Uh, the perception of it, at exact, least, exactly. Yeah, like like the whole does the day continue on when Bill Murray dies? Maybe he dies and immediately wakes up at six a.m. For him, time is perceived that way as exactly. opposed to everyone else lives their day and then restarts. Oh wait, so did he fracture and make like so many multiverses? Ooh, I mean, essentially, that, that's deep. like that's that's a that's a that's a fan fiction right there. That's like a fan fiction show. Yeah, when he continues, does he continue the original timeline? So or does in, he continue so, the yeah in ten plus infinity uh, lifetimes, Bill Murray is dead, and in the other ones, he is living alone, and in this one. This well, that's the whole point of every movie ever. Whenever you see a hero survive an impossible survive thing, that is the universe fracturing. Because in every other run through of that scenario, that guy would have died. So we are only seeing the successful lineage of any given character at any given time. And it's like you know, like uh, the the multiverse theory. You know, it's all based on that, that that when you have a decision or you have something that can go one way or the other, it's that essentially you've then branched off from there, and then that branches off. You know, this decision right. branches off here this decision it's off like here, a choose your own adventure novel exactly uh, well we all picked 53 first dates aaron what is a movie that it reminds you of i see that that's that's the problem for me because it reminds me of three things one that's actually just a different version of groundhog's day um and then uh, like basically Leap your day <laughs> any uh any bill murray movie because he's so quintessentially bill murray in this movie this might be when he's the most bill murray-est um my father said that zombie movie he was pretty bill, bill murray 
Yeah, because he was he played zombie. himself. The only one that he's a zombie I'm, in. I might be biased, but I always think of Bill Murray as Scrooged Bill Murray. Yes. Yeah. yeah. His, his character goes through a very similar progression in that art. In Just that movie instantaneously, as, well. as opposed to as opposed to over many lifetimes. Yeah. Years or whatever. <laughs> it's like apparently Bill Murray's uh, you know plot that he always has to do is he's always an asshole that has to learn a moral by the end of the movie. Except Ghostbusters. <laughs> he never learned. There's yeah. no, no. Yeah. guys. There are no morals in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghosts are real, and they're dead people and we're trapping them in boxes uh but uh it would also have there was there's the third option that I've, I've actually kind of forgotten but i would actually have to say that um uh happy death day is a actually a very recent movie that came out in 2017 and as soon as i saw the trailer i'm like i've got to watch this movie and i've actually been mad and not watched it yet but it's going to happen soon especially after watching this last that's night. the horror aspect of it there's a netflix one that takes more of the comedy aspect towards it where a man wakes oh yeah up it's uh, naked, naked. Every, yeah naked he wakes he starts the morning he wakes up every day naked in the same place and has to figure out how to just deal with his life then he keeps repeating himself over and over and over it's a netflix show and it's a movie netflix but it's a movie created by netflix whereas happy death day yeah. was a studio movie yeah uh the happy death day which apparently there was another one similar to this but this is more like that other one felt like from the synopsis it takes itself really seriously whereas happy death day actually has more comedy in it so it almost feels like a natural progression of what groundhog day that kind of sensibility was but it's literally a girl wakes up on her birthday in some guy's room and like has to make the walk of shame back to her dorm room, get ready for the day, and then at the end of the night, she dies. Someone kills her. Someone kills her. Like so like I think at one point she gets run over, at one point she's stabbed, at one point she's blown up. It's like and she keeps waking up, like and she's like It's always the same guy every time, so it without seeing the movie, raises the question, does he also know where she is no matter what, that it, is this inevitable? Will he yeah, always like kill like, who, who's the killer? Why is it the killer? Or, like, why are they killing her, you know? And then, like, how can she escape this endless loop? And it looks interesting because, like, at one point, like, with, like, Bill Murray, he just kind of gives up on a couple of the days. He's just, like, sitting there watching Jeopardy with the old people in the bed. He knows is. all the stuff about <laughs> yeah. the lakes and all, they all applaud at the end. The important thing, I think, about Groundhog Day is there isn't a clear out for him. He just... Are you guys staring at my cat? Is he yeah. having yeah. to throw over cat? But I, no, I agree. I think... I mean, there's no witch that comes up to him that says, Hey, you need to find true love to be able to break the cycle of living every day over and over and over again. He just kind of figures out that this is the best thing that I can do with my life. And that is what I should do. And... If it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I feel like he's ascribed to that at the end of the movie, that this this is how it's going to be forever and ever. It's funny like, that you should actually use the term witch, because originally it was playing that Phil's ex-girlfriend was the one that not only put him in this curse, but sent the blizzard so he would be stuck in Punks Oh, yeah. thank God it wasn't that. Yeah. yeah. It's good, way too much of a cop-out. Thank gosh. Harold Ramis. I was thinking thank about, you. though, what you said about him, like, accepting it. And, like, honestly, it's funny how, in a lot of ways, his progression is, like, sort of related to, like, the, the five steps of grief exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Like, he definitely goes through depression when he tries to kill himself so many times. He definitely goes through acceptance at the end. Bargaining. I don't know. I don't. Bargaining. I was trying to have have a tough time trying to. Well, think of he tries to have the perfect it. date. He exactly. he can sleep with anyone in that town by knowing a few simple things. But and he does yeah. a couple times. Like he sleeps uh, with that Nancy but woman. Denial in initially too. Yes. Like this isn't where he, real. Where he this just real. is like, ha, oh, yeah, okay. 
Um, but and yeah, Gurney, I thought that was an he, interesting parallel. He thinks for a minute that and killing Gurney the groundhog Ned will... And... Yeah, he punches Ned. He thinks that killing the groundhog will break him out of this loop just, just yeah. for increasingly more and more. Uh, I, I really do appreciate that because not only for the the nonsense that that kind of plot would create, and I think then it would be too many Beauty and the Beast references to really make exactly. any sense in this movie, <laughs> but more so for the female characters, I do appreciate that it's not some scorned ex-lover who takes it out on oh, him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Mm, no, I'm not glad it's this way. Just, why? Who knows? Anyway, be the best version of yourself, because that's all you literally can do here. Yeah. And I think that's really the nice thing about it in the end. Would we want to do that? Would there be some part of our lives, like, if I could just repeat the same day over and over, is there anything that I could really change? Or would I just use it to learn something that I had not had time to learn before? If I had infinite time, what would I choose to do oh, with I'd it? I'd probably just play Oblivion over and over again. That's my life right but, now. But you play the same points. You yeah. play the same thing of Oblivion <laughs> over and over again. God, that reminds Good me. Point. There's Good a point. there's a, a band um, that's no longer in existence. Unfortunately, the uh, lead singer slash creator kind of went through a lot of personal issues. But uh, this is a band called My Parents' Favorite Music. Uh, very electronic chip music band. Uh, video game rap kind of band huh. uh and their first cd uh or first official cd i want to say um or the first cd i heard was actually had my friend drumming on it um and he uh he makes a he, he has a a part where uh, a girl had an older brother who uh like they played video games together and he like when he like left the family, left them alone for some reason, and uh, she got really really good at the game. And she kept like getting further and further in the game, but she always saved at the same place because she needed her help, his help, and originally. So whenever he came back, he would be able to help her again. So even Aww. though she's beating the game, she still saves here, which Aww. is literally the line from the song. That's, so um, That's sweet. That is sweet. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's very it's kind of bittersweet. So it kind of reminded me of that. But um, there's a lot of. Uh, there's, I remember this movie kind of being boring when I was younger, but now that I'm, I'm older, a little bit more existential, uh, there's so many like, oh, what would I have done in this situation? What would I have done in this situation? Well, like, what would I do in that situation, period? But um, because like apparently the filmmakers uh, could have gone dark or, you know, like, because Phil has no ramifications except for in his own mind. Um, like he could have raped Annie McDowell and he could have. Kill oh, people, and yeah. I guess that does say something about his original character as well. Like I was that trying to bring up that he, he was still an had asshole, a line, essentially. but that he still had a you know a line that he wouldn't cross, which is except for know, killing a is, groundhog. Which is yeah, why. that was that was the, that was probably his worst crime. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually liked when he punched Ned in the face. That was fantastic. He did steal a lot of money. It was the one point where he like he did the perfect yeah. heist or whatever. Oh. Uh, he, he buys the car, shows up as uh, just this cowboy Native American gunslinger, yeah. uh, and the, his gate dates in a French maid costume. That's, that's Clint Eastwood. In a, Sorry, I'm uh, not a Clint the man, Eastwood knower. It's one of one of his more famous films. It's like he gets out and spurs out of this yeah. Cadillac. I just, he better have a lot of money saved up or stolen or whatever because you know he buys insurance, all that insurance from Ned at the end, and then he wakes yeah. up with Andy McDowell the next day, and he's like, got all this insurance. I hope you wanted right? all that because here we are. Here we are. Yeah. You know, you spent millions of dollars there on insurance, there, buddy. <laughs> like what I would like, I want to see 
is what happened immediately after. Like, how does he go through life now that he doesn't have everything planned out, that he knows every single minute of, That's or true. every I single second of every single routine I feel for like it would, what yeah. a crisis. An interesting peek into that, but I feel like if they, oh God, if they ever made a sequel. No. God help us. God. Hollywood, no. Don't do it. <laughs> Bad. Bad Hollywood. Rub your nose in that. They're already looking at doing a reboot or remake oh. of Clue. Give me a break. Like, but it has Aaron's favorite boy toy in there. It doesn't Tim change anything. No. 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 Tim Curry's a man. I swear to God, if the original people don't have some sort of cameo in it, Sweetheart, Tim, Tim Curry needs to, like, relax. Wait, Tim so Curry's your boy toy. Ryan Reynolds. Oh. <laughs> oh, and he's going to be in a new one. Yes. yes as oh, as yes. Tim Curry's role as the oh. butler. Oh. Is he supposed to be butler? I don't know. I or uh, they've, they have supposed that or Mr. Green. That's what I was thinking. I don't know. I mean, like, thing is, is like at this point, we've seen I've seen Clue so many times. I as long my heart. as long as Johnny freaking Depp doesn't come anywhere near this damn thing because I feel like people he interchange him and up. Tim Curry. I don't oh, want to see you he anymore. Always shows up. I'm in done just with whatever you. movie. Harry yeah. Potter. What in the world does Johnny Depp have to do with? I digress. I anywho. <laughs> I digress. Um, I think we have had a problem in the past with giving uh. Each of us a two point five rating and then adding them up. I know you we're hate that. God, no. We're not doing that. Good God, no! But we're not doing that. It is Valentine's Day, the month of love. So I each couple give your score out of five, and then we'll combine them for a score out of ten. Does that sound fair to everyone? So it's still the two point five. No, we agree. <laughs> like you and I will agree. We together think so it'd be to such con- and such. It's still a two point five. It's all in the packaging, Aaron. Uh, Allie, Michael, why don't you go first? What did you think about it, and what do you think a See, score out of five would be? No, you can talk it out uh, on air. That's um, cool. Well, uh... I Having mean, seen it before, well, what, yeah. what, what are your Well, thoughts? this was... I had seen it before, like, piecemeal, kind of, how a lot of time movies that came out, you know, before you were born, or after <laughs> so long that, like, they, they are on TV, and they're around, so you see a bunch of clips of them. But this was my first time sitting down and watching it from start to finish. Um, and I found it quite enjoyable. I would probably give it like a four out of five. I feel like the the questions that it asked were very real and interesting. And it was uh, a lot of interesting choices with like the, you know, a lot of good humor, Bill Murray humor. Indeed. <laughs> uh, I guess being a first time viewer, uh, going almost 30 years of my life without having seen this movie, <laughs> don't know how that happened. Uh I, I I did really enjoy it as well. Um, I could honestly see it going either way in more of a dramatic existential sort of crisis of conscious mo- conscience movie um, and enjoying it that way. Or I could see it being more humorous where, you know, he has a lot more flub ups and a lot more goofs. Yeah. Uh I think it gives and, a lot more rewatchability the way that they did it. If it had been the, the right, more dramatic exactly. piece you were it's talking about. It's a one and done. But uh, the fact that it does have a little bit of comedy, um, it's it's almost kind of rare these days to see movies that are good a good mix of both. Uh, it's usually just all drama, all action, all comedy, all the time, nonstop, constantly going. And this movie was thoughtful. This movie was something that um, I'm glad to have seen in my advanced age <laughs> and not to have misunderstood when I was younger. So 
I think I'll give it a. I think I'll give it a, a four as well. All right. All right. So we're agreed. So Michael four. and Allie, four out of five. Four from the Cheatums. All right, Aaron. What did you think? What do you think we should give it? Uh, my having watched it so many times. By the way, it came out in '93. '93. Right. Oh, yeah, you you so see it shortly after I was born. Yeah, definitely was, would yeah. not have understood it then. <laughs> was, was, was barely making memories at that time. <laughs> uh, uh, having seen it so many times, and like, I kind of like. It wasn't like I was going through the motions with it, but I was definitely like, I was waiting for this scene, and I was waiting for this scene. I was waiting for the, I don't know where you're going, but can you call in? I was waiting for that. And so having having that, unfortunately, it kind of brings down my score a little bit. But watching it again and seeing the, all the existential stuff uh, as an adult kind of made me appreciate it a little bit more. So I'm actually going to say three, three out of five. Three out of five. Three out of five. I gotta. I gotta. Will you? Will you finagle me a three point five out of five from us? Yeah, I can. I can stretch up to the point uh, three point five. Point five for really enjoyable, raising a lot of questions, and I don't think it's nearly so much as the goofy. Oh, that one scene. That one scene. I think there were a lot of memorable scenes, but there were things that weren't scenes that I would enjoy seeing again. Things like he took up ice, ice sculpture. And that's not like a one particular scene. He, you see him looking at it, and you see him sculpting her face in snow. And before that, he's carving with it. So it's not just one of those. Um, him, you know, learning how to play the piano. Uh, there's all sorts of really good scenes that I think aren't just these one thing, but rather it's more important to see them happen again and again and again throughout the course of the movie so you see the growth of them. So I enjoy that part. Uh, so if you'll give me that 0.5, I think I can settle or a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, yeah, I, I would I could stretch up to that cuz even even with it sounding like an insult with saying Bill Murray was at his Bill Murrayest, to me that's actually a compliment because I enjoy Bill Murray. I have his face on the back of my car in a sticker form. So <laughs> I, it, it's safe to say I like Bill Murray. Um but yeah, I I I would I would stretch up to 0.5. All right. Well, then for Groundhog Day, we have a 7.5 out of 10. And I think that is very respectable. You guys temper me. I'm often way too forgiving. And when I try to get really tougher about it, people don't like when I get really tougher about the scores either. How dare you not get... So I tend to be generous in my scores and in my heart. Uh, so uh, we... So we're giving a seven point five out of ten. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a that's a pretty uh, pretty nice score. So. Well, uh, then, let's see. A good question to ask the audience or our, our few listeners uh, out there. What do you think about would repeating one day over and over be a blessing or a curse? No, it's too existential. I was going to go <laughs> a little bit. Not, not to not to try to talk down to our viewers or to dumb, try to dumb down our viewers. What's it's your favorite four-legged mammal? <laughs> no, I was going to say, what is your favorite offbeat co uh, romantic movie? Okay, offbeat rom-com. Yeah, offbeat rom-com. Because we, maybe we'll use it, if we get some uh, suggestions, we'll use them as ideas for our next couple movies. So. Yeah, if you want existential time travel, uh, time traveler's wife. That'll Ooh. make you sad. Yeah, yeah, I refuse to watch that. That kind of ran through my through my head when we were talking about uh, time yeah. similar movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's it's a it's, different it's concept. The different, book the so book is highly different than the movie. Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend the book over the movie. Sorry, Eric Bana. I want to see the fountain so bad. He will not. I'm he won't sure watch sad movies with me. The, with the, when I was talking about Hugh Jackman it before is, we started recording, it I think that's it. It's definitely an interesting movie. I would love to see it again. If you guys want to watch it with us, 
Yeah, I'd like um, to see it. I want to get my hands on it. We watched it a couple years five ago. Five plus years ago. Oh, yeah. I when remember it, it that Maybe well. when it first came out. and uh, it was, I heard uh, visually. It visually was... stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Story is a little hard to follow, so it would definitely be helpful to have uh, a couple more sets of eyes and brains. It's been that and Ex Machina for him all the time. You watch Ex Machina? No, I don't feel like watching you that watch today. It. Now, Ex Machina is in no way a romance. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I'm, just no. I'm just saying it's well worth watching. <laughs> I want to see it for I, Oscar Isaac and uh, uh, Don uh, Gleason. Yep. Uh, so I guess let me pose the question to you guys first. Is you you guys will have the you guys have the first crack at the question? What is your favorite offbeat romantic movie? Romantic. I oh. mean, such a romantic, such an interesting category because it's so so widespread. So and that's, hard to. I mean, honestly, the thing that came to mind for me was Scott Pilgrim. There you mm-hmm. go. I would absolutely I, think of that. I think it's a fantastic beat. movie. Huge Edgar Wright fan, obviously. Edgar oh, Wright. Yes. Uh, uh. So. <laughs> Has anyone here seen Baby Driver? Because I no, I really, want to. All right, we might have to have a viewing night of that <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. Next, the next podcast we'll have you guys on. We'll all watch Baby Driver. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. I really don't have anything. I can't think of anything that's. Uh... Well, what's your favorite like, one that you go to all the time? Yeah, or like we've, or you can say you can even say favorite romantic movie. We will accept that. Waitress. With, With uh, uh, Carrie uh, Russell. Carrie Russell and Nathan Fillion because Nathan Fillion can yeah. do no wrong. Um, that movie is strange for me because if you guys know me, which I know you guys do, but. I mean, the viewers obviously don't. Um, uh, Yet. I am am very opposed to childbirth, child-rearing, pregnancy, pretty much anything involving uh, that whole dealio. Um, And that movie is entirely pregnancy-centric. I mean, Nathan Fillion plays a gynecologist uh, (laughs) in that movie, and Carrie Russell is pregnant throughout. Um, so it's a very interesting one for me because it just kind of, you know, it, it, it makes me, it it makes me feel good and it's, it's definitely like a female empowerment sort of movie. Um, yeah, not to give out any spoilers, but it's also heavily about pie, which, uh, (laughs) definitely pleases me. Uh, yeah, Waitress. I like Waitress. You should watch Waitress. I remember I, I found that movie because I was on, on a bit of a Carrie Russell kick for a while. And in reality, I, I didn't go beyond the one movie where it started the kick, but I was like on a kick. So I was like, I researched into Waitress a little bit, but it's before I really knew who Nathan Fillion was or else I would have watched it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I know what Waitress is. I haven't seen it, but I know what it is. So It's worth a watch. Yeah. I would say. We have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, between two at this moment, can't decide, so I'll say them both. Lady Hawk and the artist. Uh, oh, yeah. If you so, think about, if you think about the the, the Al- romantic Al- aspect Al- of the artist, though, no, he's the, married and then he gets divorced. And no, he, no, no. The romance of the artist is not about two people falling in love. The romance of the artist is about the silent movie era. It's love for the thematic elements of what makes that great. That it's a love letter to that entire crafting you're giving me the look yeah like i've lives. passed into fine fine you want it you want it p.s i love you there are you happy no you no, leave no actually i was i thought lady hawk was a great answer 
I thought Lady Hawk was a fantastic answer because it, it is very offbeat, but it's very romantic. I thought the the love that uh, 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 the two characters share is so deep that it transcends, you know, uh, species. You know, I thought that was I thought it was a great answer. All right, Lady Hawk's my so, answer then. And sorry, we'll, we'll, I didn't mean to try to pick no, your answer okay. for we'll you. No, it's okay. We'll go with Lady Hawk. Liz is into bestiality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't say be in the beast. Yeah, let's. We'll yeah. go for my love of Gerard Butler and move on to you, Aaron. Gerard what? Butler, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, 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 fortunately, I think mine's the plainest of all the answers. Has got to be uh, while you were sleeping, Aww. because it be, it's it's a it's, that's because it's your, you and your mommy's favorite movie to watch together. You got mail while you were sleeping. Aww. Sleep in Seattle. Not sleepless. Not so much sleepless in Seattle, but the first two. Yeah. Um, well, while you were sleeping is like it's really fun because it's it's a. Uh, not necessarily an unrequited love, but it's that love you think you need and want, and then it's a family love, and then it's also a love that develops naturally. So there's there's a lot of elements to that movie, which I I, I, I find enjoyable, which, of course, Sandra Bullock is just a dear and perfect. I'm just saying. Just saying. Uh, but yes, uh, that's that would be my answer. So... Um, thank you guys, Michael and Allie, so much for joining us for not only the movie, but for recording. Returning guests. Returning guests. I'm sure we'll have you guys on again. Anytime. <laughs> um, so before uh, we do our final little goodbye, uh, do you guys have any plugs you'd like to throw in real quick? Sure. Uh, apart from the Apothecary Bee, uh, my Etsy shop where I do all sorts of uh, wedding-y stuff, so that kind of ties in with and the romance. It is the month of love. It is, it the, is month the month of love. Month of love. Um, hopefully going to see a nice uh, spike in sales around Valentine's <laughs> Day when people start getting engaged. Um, I am also opening a second Etsy shop. So I will be selling um, indie perfumes. I'm um, creating some perfume blends with one of my friends that I know from Etsy who does candles and we're kind of combining our shop and the shop will be called uh, Area of Effect Perfumery <laughs> and it is a video game based perfumery. Uh, I was thinking straight up D&D with that Area of, of Effect. All of the uh, perfumes will be named after and inspired by characters, worlds, and things involving video games. I feel like that... There's a definite lack of that in the, uh, you know, the outer sphere, the Etsy sphere. Allie, um, I'd like to place a pre-order for any cologne about Batman. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely get into that for you. But yeah, um, we're hoping to open in approximately March. It's got notes of guano. But with that, you have finally removing the stench of my opening monologue about days in September. And for that, I say thank you, Michael. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, be on the lookout for our next rom com. We'll be coming up next week, which will be you know right the day after Valentine's Day. So it's gonna be interesting. See which one we pick for that one. So, Uh, but until then. She's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea.